The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 11th chapter. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, and he said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it, and will send it back here immediately. And they went away, and they found a colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing, untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus, and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before, and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. This is the gospel of the Lord. So we had gone to Manhattan, Kansas. It was an early December Friday. It was in the afternoon, late afternoon. We were driving to Manhattan, Kansas because we were 25 miles outside town. Manhattan, Kansas was like the big city compared to these little populations of about 350 people. So we're going to big city for Christmas presents. When the, the boys and the parents could shop no more, we headed over to Nanette's work to show off our newborn at that point, Joshua, to the co-workers. He was born in late October, and it's about a couple of months, and it was about time to show this, this newborn to her co-workers. So off to her, her work we went. Nanette was working at that time at a, a hospital there in Manhattan, and she was working in a wing that was for the mental health, this mental health unit. So into the hospital and to that unit we went. Now while her co-workers were looking at this little baby Joshua, and they were talking to, at that point, a little Jeffrey and Nanette and having these little conversations as they were, I was watching a woman who had both physical and mental diseases or illnesses. She was plagued with them. And she was moving slowly and intentionally um, along the hall toward the nurse's station. Now, I was feeling sad inside, and I don't know, it was a variety of feelings as I was watching this woman work that hard to the nurse's station. Um, sad because I was watching her misshaped body, parts of her twisted, and the mental illness that was plaguing her. And I wondered as she was walking, because there was a good couple of minutes for her to walk, I was wondering about her childhood years what they would have been like. And I was wondering about her family and where they were now and her friends and if she had any that continued with her through all the hardships. About how long she had been plagued with these illnesses. I wondered about her, her life story, her struggles, her hardships, and about maybe what landed her into the hospital at this time. It was significant effort for her to limp drag her body to the center of that nurse's station. To the displeasure of the workers there, she refused to return to her room. 
They wanted her to go down and lie to sleep. She did not. She refused to make their life that easy. Instead, she stood at that nurse's station. Through physical, uh, physical speech, physical, mental impediments, through all of those challenges, she was trying to communicate to the nurses. She was trying to say to them that her mother was going to call and that she needed to be near the nurse's station because there she could receive the phone call because there's no phones in that wing. So I'm off at a distance. I'm watching all this. I just knew that the hospital workers suspected that this activity was simply the result of her illness. They did not trust what she was saying. It was just a result of illness. They see it all the time there. People with chronic mental and physical illnesses imagining that their family is going to care and call and show up and take them home. It's all going to be good. That night with that woman... I bet they doubted that a phone call would come. At the nurse's station counter, under constant observation, there she stood. As minutes passed, the staff became more and more confident that she was waiting for nothing. I could tell that they were simply hoping that she would finally listen to their requests and just go back to her room. There, they'd be out of her way and in safely in a room and she would just lie down. In spite of all their instructions, at the counter, she stood. Minutes passed. And you know what? Her mother called. Her mother called the hospital unit and she asked to speak to her daughter, named her. The hospital staff person, surprised by this, helped her with the phone's placement because her fingers didn't work her and her hand was kind of twisted. So they placed a phone kind of against the wrist so she could hold it against her cheek like that. And although I could not understand all of the sounds that she made, it was hard to listen to her. It was somewhat obvious that her mother did. She could not speak well, but I could tell that she was hearing the words of her mother. And she was trying to respond, that there was this conversation happening between the two. Now, the call only lasted a couple of minutes. But in the end, the end must have been beautiful and comforting to this woman. Her ears and her heart Because a smile, a big, deep, real smile just kind of came over her face. By her responding sounds, I knew what her mother was saying to her in those last words. By her responding in interactions, I knew her mother's last words were this. I will see you tomorrow. Get some rest now. I love you. Having heard those words, the woman slowly made her way back to her room, and it was not easy, walking the other direction. Slowly made her way back to her room, and with a smile on her face, she rested. Now remembering that, I think, wow. What a beautiful example of Christian Advent. Plagued with illnesses, 
most of which were out of her control. In an unfamiliar place, a cold, sterile institution of a place, and with all kinds of other people around her stirring with their mental illnesses and physical challenges as well, with the professional staff all looking for the easiest way out on their shift, doubting that what she said would happen, doubting her, questioning her, encouraging her just to go back to the room and, and be still and quiet. In spite of all of that, a woman at the counter stood. Boldly, she stood. Expectantly, with confidence and hope for her mother's call, she stood. And mom came through. Mom called. Mom spoke words of comfort, direction, and love. And a daughter could rest, knowing she was loved, knowing she was going to see mom soon. Today the church begins a four-week season of Advent. This is a season where the historic church moves intentionally from a dark world to like the counter, if you will. We move toward the altar of God. We repent, which means we turn our face to God, and we confess, and we lay bare before God. And there, in that place, at that counter, we hear the Word of God. This is literally a dark season. I looked out and saw my wife at the early church, and she re- I could see her reminding me of the dark season. I have been claim- complaining for the last three months that the days are getting shorter and shorter by two minutes a day. I look at the weather channel when in the morning to see what the weather, how cold it's going to be. And I would see, in the morning, the sunrise is one minute later than it should be. And then the evening, it's sunrise is coming one minute earlier than it should be. It's been getting darker and darker and darker for months. And I've been whining like a little child about it. Darkness is settling in. And still, in spite of this darkness, we know that we are to stand. We know the light will come. I know that starting about December 23rd, the days are going to get longer. I just got to get to December 23rd. Hold on. In this dark season, we will stand. But as a church, we stand boldly with the things that we have confidence in. We have confidence in the way of Christ. He told us the way, and He showed us the way. We have that in the Scriptures. We follow His way. It's really simple. We don't have to get creative or inventive. We follow Christ's way. The other thing is, is we remember, we stand boldly in the truth of Christ. There are so many distractions and so many things that want to take us away from that truth, saying that this is a new truth and a creative truth and a more inclusive truth. That's not the truth. If it's not from Jesus, it's not true. And then the life the fullness of life, the freedom in life. The church in these seasons, this dark season, we stand. Expectantly standing in this world, looking, knowing that the light of God will come. And as we stand, we are to display confidence and hope, much like that woman. For all the world to see that the Son of God is a promise keeper and that He is coming again for us. Advent. Standing in the way and the truth and the life in this darkening world, it's not easy. It's not easy now. 
I get to know now after these months more and more of our lives, and I can look around and see how people are mourning the loss of loved ones, how they're struggling with cancers and other physical illnesses. I know people's bodies, our bodies are getting older by the day, and it's not easy to do the things we used to do so easily. We have struggles in our families. We have conflicts in our families, in our churches, in our loved ones. This is not an easy life. It was never easy. Some people have a romantic notion that somehow or another it was easier back in the day. Maybe at the time of the Bible stories. That somehow or another in that old church, that church was closer to Jesus in time than we are. That for them they didn't ever have attacks on Orthodox Christian values or truths. That somehow or another in that ancient time, that the theology and the truth that was revealed in Jesus was not ever being compromised or challenged. And maybe people back then didn't have to wrestle with greed or pride or gluttony or the things that we wrestle with on a daily basis. Addictions. They didn't have that. That those were the good old days. Well, St. Paul in his letter to the Corinthians today, he provides ample evidence that will nullify that romantic notion. The church in Corinth, like the world today, it was a mess. Think about this. In this letter he writes, there were groups within this one church in Corinth that were maneuvering for power and control and that their fellowship was being broken apart. The devil was in there and he's tearing the church apart. There were divisions over what to eat, who should eat it, and when to eat it. If it was to idols or if it was dedicated to God, foods to eat. They were fighting over that. They were fighting over whose spiritual gifts were more important and more um, shiny than others. And because my spiritual gifts were different than yours, mine were somehow or another better. And they were fighting each other over God's spiritual gifts. There were reports of sexual immorality amongst this people that would have even made the pagans been ashamed to confess it. There were lawsuits between the Christians. Christians were suing Christians and they were showing up in the secular courts. And the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, it was being wrongfully taught, wrongfully understood, wrongfully distributed. And there was more. In short, that church in Corinth was a mess. It looked like many modern congregations that we can see and know in the world around us. And to that church and to this world in the season of Advent, St. Paul has something to say. And this is my one phrase summary of that. St. Paul would say to that church and to us, stand in the Lord. I mean, stand in the Lord. Verse 1, in this letter to the Corinthians, Paul reminds them, of who he is and why he's there. He tells them that God has called me. It's God's will that I'm doing. God has purposed and, and empowered me to be an apostle for his son, Jesus Christ. That's the only reason I am here. This is what I'm doing. This is all my life is about. That is me. And then he tells them of who they are. He tells them that they have been sanctified in Christ Jesus and that they are saints in God. In that very first phrase, he's saying, I am standing in my Lord and the way and the truth and the life of my Lord. And now, my friends, you are saints also. You too stand in the way, the truth, and the life of your Lord. Stand. The very first sentences. And you go into like verse 3. The next thing that Paul will do, he will, he will say this. It's beautiful. He says, Grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. 
grace and peace from our Lord Jesus Christ. And the uh, Father and our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Stand. If you're going to stand, stand in grace. Grace, for the understanding of what that is, because it's flipped out there so many times, we might not get the idea of grace, but the idea of grace is the love of God, this mercy of God, the forgiveness of God, the very life of God to you. The presence of God in and above and besides and behind and in front and underneath and within you. The very energies, the life force of God, if you will, in you. Permeating, flowing, breathing in you. Grace. All that is good in life. Grace. Be with you. And in that grace, you stand. Until the Lord's return in grace, we stand. And the next word, peace. Profound word, this word. For the church who understood that when you sin and we fall away and when we do things our way, that that means we are now at war with God. Because God cannot tolerate anything that damages us and damages His creation. That is a sinful thing. He, he despises sin. There's no toleration for that. And in there, there's war between the way of God and the way of the evil one who has a sin. And in there, he says, Paul says to his church, peace. There's an absence of conflict. There's now an absence of condemnation because of Jesus Christ. The presence of God, the embrace of God. If you're going to think about peace, think about a child that's so loved by their child that the parent just sweeps up the child in a great big embrace and embrace and holds on to them. Peace. There's nothing between them but love and an affection displayed. Paul says, stand in grace. Stand in peace until the Lord's return, regardless of how dark it is. Stand in grace and stand in peace. Last two instructions that he gives us from just a brief lesson today is first is eight and nine. And these are beautiful words to us. And think about the echoes of that lady in that, in that hospital setting. Paul's word to the church was this He, God, will strengthen you to the end. God will strengthen you to the end. As you wait in the darkness, God will strengthen you to the end. And the last thing he says, we hold on to this, he says, God is faithful. God is faithful. That's how he begins his letter. How we begin Advent. Even though there are physical illnesses that cripple us. Even though there are mental illnesses and addictions that hinder us. Even though the plague of sin interferes with our relationship with God and our fellowship with one another. The message of God remains like a beacon of light in a very dark night. I am coming for you, says our Lord. I am with you now. And I love you. Stand in this truth. Stand until I return. If you ever wonder about the ability to stand in faith, if you ever feel like you're getting tired and you you feel like you just want to kind of throw in the towel and give up, remember the young woman who was plagued with many physical and mental challenges. Remember her. 
Remember how she was staying the night in a foreign place. How she was pressured to let go of her faith. Pressured just move along and be quiet and just go along with that flow. Instead, she struggled to that nurse's desk. Instead, she stood there boldly and faithfully because she would receive a phone call from her mother. A phone call that absolutely came. Remember the last words. The last words from her mother. I will see you tomorrow. Get some rest now. I love you. Saints in Christ, that's our Advent promise. For the next four weeks, for the rest of our lives, we will remember that God loves us. That we will see God again. And we can rest in that good news. God help us be that church. Amen.